You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's May 31st. One week ago, British Prime Minister Theresa May announced her plans to resign. She will step down as Britain's Conservative Party leader on June 7th, remaining as Prime Minister until her successor is chosen later this year. What led to May's downfall? In a recent commentary, Rand's Charles Rees explains that several factors were responsible, all of which took place as part of the, quote, long-running reality show that Brexit has become. First, there are the essential contradictions of Brexit. Those who voted to leave the European Union had two conflicting impulses, says Rees. On one hand, Brexiteers made anti-immigration and anti-globalization arguments. On the other hand, they celebrated Brexit as a way to free Britain from EU trade policies and enable greater success in world trading markets. Rees says that these contradictions led to many of the struggles that followed, including messy negotiations with the EU, May's poor political judgment, and the British public's inability to muster a majority for any Brexit outcome. As May prepares to resign, the biggest takeaway may be that these same problems could also handcuff her successor. Many foreign policy experts have said that the world is currently in a new era of great power competition. But according to Rand's Michael Mazar, this term does not capture the reality of today's global politics. In fact, he says that viewing competitors as standard-issue great powers is both inaccurate and dangerous. This view could prevent U.S. leaders from making crucial distinctions. Take Russia and China, for example. Each poses very different challenges for Washington. While both seek regime security and recognition as powers equal to the U.S., Russia aims to disrupt the current U.S.-led international order. Meanwhile, China wants to supplant America's role at the hub of world politics. Mazar says that viewing the world today as a great power competition could also lead policymakers to overemphasize military power as a way to advance U.S. interests. This is particularly meaningful during a time when states are likely to seek competitive advantage primarily through non-military means. Lastly, Mazar explains what he sees as the biggest risk in framing the world in this way. The U.S. could forfeit the immense power it has gained from its leadership role in the post-war international order. Quote, If Washington thinks of itself as one desperate, self-interested, geopolitical chess player among many, grasping for temporary and transactional advantages, that role will likely further diminish. To abandon this role would be to walk away from the greatest competitive advantage any great power has ever known. 20 U.S. veterans die every day by suicide. A comprehensive public health approach could help prevent these tragedies, says Rand's Terry Tenelian. Earlier this month, she discussed potential solutions before the House Oversight and Reform Subcommittee on National Security. To address the problem of suicide among the veteran population, I recommend that we implement and enforce a zero-tolerance policy against sexual harassment and assault within the military and veteran community. We know that military sexual trauma is a known risk factor for suicide, and we must decrease exposure to this culture while people are in uniform and when they visit the VA. 
Second, we need to address work-related stress. There are a large number of veterans who are in the federal workforce, and we know that work-related stress can lead to poor sleep and use of alcohol and drugs, which are also risk factors for suicide. Third, we need to expand and improve the U.S. healthcare system. We need to ensure that we have enough mental health professionals, and we need to ensure that they are delivering evidence-based approaches for mental health problems. Treatment can work if providers deliver the right course. We need to ensure that parity is fully implemented and enforced to ensure that we are providing that workforce with the skills and capabilities that they need to attend to the population's needs. And finally, we need to restrict access to firearms among veterans who are at risk for suicide. 70% of veterans die by a firearm, and we need to ensure that we restrict access to these lethal means among those who are at highest risk. You can watch a short video featuring Tanelian or read her full testimony on RAND.org. Iran provides support to militias and terrorist groups throughout the Middle East. This network of non-state partners, reportedly comprising about 200,000 fighters, is emerging as an important part of the escalating tensions between Washington and Tehran. These groups pursue a range of activities that destabilize the Middle East and undermine U.S. interests. They're often thought of as a uniform group that is loyal to Iran. But RAND experts warn against treating these groups as monolith. There are subtle but important differences in their ties to Tehran, they say. Most were not created by Iran. Some share greater ideological and religious ties with the regime, and very few take their orders directly from Iran. In short, the degree to which Iran exercises power over many of these groups is debatable. Understanding the differences between Iran's partners will help the U.S. and its allies track bad behavior back to Tehran. It could also help inform how the U.S. responds to Iran in the future. Rand's Abby Tingstad testified before a House subcommittee earlier this month about the importance of the Arctic region for the U.S. Throughout history, the Arctic has been a largely inaccessible place for outside cultures. However, recently, due to climate changes, improvements in technology, and continued interest in economic opportunities in the region, we can no longer consider the Arctic to be a region that is falling off the top of the map. Tinkstad's testimony also explored three major challenges facing the Coast Guard as it conducts its safety, security, and stewardship activities in the Arctic. First, communicating in the Arctic is very difficult. There's a need for additional radio and satellite capabilities, including both voice and digital technologies. Second, there's a lack of what's called domain awareness. This means it's difficult to identify and understand what conditions and hazards exist in the region. And third, there are gaps in the Coast Guard's ability to respond to major incidents, such as an environmental disaster. Tinkstead explained what must be done to meet these challenges. Any solution to these uh, capability gaps will involve a portfolio approach. That is, although icebreakers, of course, have been um, very much a focus of the media recently, the gaps that we see in the Arctic are much broader than just icebreakers, so they are one important aspect of them. In reality, closing the gaps will require an investment in people, organizations, and various types of assets and fixed infrastructure. There is no silver bullet. You can find Tingstead's testimony as well as a summary video on RAND.org. There is evidence that social and emotional learning, or SEL, contributes to student success. But how do educators feel about this approach? Results from a new RAND survey show widespread support for SEL among teachers and principals across the U.S. 
Most educators we surveyed believe that SEL programs improve both student outcomes and school climate. We asked teachers and principals to rate how important they felt it was for their students to acquire SEL skills like understanding and managing emotions, setting and achieving positive goals, and feeling and showing empathy. Most said that it was very important. Teachers were more likely than principals to give this high rating, and that could be because teachers spend more time interacting directly with students. It's also worth noting that many principals and teachers said that they needed more time to address SEL programs. This, they said, would help improve their school's ability to develop students' social and emotional skills. Rand is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org/podcast. See you next week.